0: Watched a movie last night Yeah, I've never seen this one before Yes, I swear It's brand new And I'm sharing it with
1: you I watched a movie last night And now I'm sharing it with you
0: February 12th, two thousand. 21 with an 86 on Metacritic. Jeremy, you and I just watched Judas and the Black Messiah. And before we talk about it at all, I want to make sure we're clear about what we're talking about. We are talking about how the movie was made and how it was presented to us, not to the content of the film itself. Just to get that right out in the open, folks.
1: Totally, totally agreed. Well said. I think for me, this is not about the actual story of the events of Fred Hampton's life. This is about the movie of the story of Fred Hampton's life. It's kind of like what I used to do, my President Bush uh, uh, little uh, shtick, but it really I was doing Dana Carvey doing George Bush. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's sort of like that. We're judging Dana Carvey's impression of George, or I really were judging my Dana Carvey. So there we go.
0: Right, this is like this is basically us looking at it through the lens of somebody else looking at it through a lens.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's my first question actually goes very well with with our setup here, JT. So, Perfect. here's what I here's here's what I'm wondering about. Here's our, our first discussion point and I'll, I'll I'm going to put you on the hot seat to, to get this going. And for the for the record, i have one okay. semi serious One sort of movie-serious, and then three sort of not-so-serious questions for the day. Uh, They'll make up our top five here. Okay. Okay. So this is an amazing story, an important story. One I actually did not know anything about going into this. The movie has solid performances. I mean, the critical acclaim for uh, Daniel uh, Kaluuya's performance here was already, like, everybody's like, this is the best picture. This is the best actor. This is the best this. This is the best that. So what I'm wondering about and I saw this yesterday I think you saw it just a couple days back is it actually a great film? So again, notwithstanding the story, notwithstanding the performances. There's lots of films that bring important stories to life, right? We've well, seen them whether it's a civil rights topic, yep. politics, uh movies like Blood Diamond, like there's so many different true story, you know, true events. How does this rank as a Straight up film. What do you think?
0: Uh, So this is a hot seat question to start, Um, but I will definitely lean into it quickly. So here's what I thought. I actually think it's a pretty good film. I don't think it's great. I think the performance is elevated into, wow, that was impressive. But if I'm being really honest, I think it suffered from some pacing issues for sure. Um, I think that there's there was a little bit of overdoneness in my opinion. Like certain, certain scenes, the way they were filmed, I kind of felt like were really like hanging on the edge of, I don't know, expectation. Where it's just like it didn't feel like super, a lot of the shots didn't feel original. I do think the use of music in this was very interesting. They used a lot of really cool string stuff that I thought was really, really different. And also very fun in the sense that when they used it, They sort of like created tension with music in moments that I didn't think needed tension created, which I I was obviously intentional. So for that, I actually give them a lot of credit Uh, without sounding sort of like, I don't know, mean, like, I feel like it was trying really hard to be filmy instead of being an incredible movie. And because it didn't nail the, we're a film, I feel like it, it, it walked away lacking. Whereas I feel like if they just made this, like the most kick-ass movie ever, it probably would have served them better.
1: I I think that's very well said. I think I'm very aligned with you. If if you had taken away this cast, this becomes one of those sort of indie films about an important story that no one ever actually sees, right? If you take away the styling, like every ingredient was really there, but I think you're dead on with some pacing stuff. And I also felt there were times where there wasn't quite enough buildup of, of, of some tension. And then, as you said, overbuild on some others, like, um, by the way, we'll just say that this is a, our podcast has spoilers. We will try not, I mean, it's a true story. So, you know, so does Wikipedia, but, uh, the scene <laughs> right. where, um, Bill O'Neill. So the Keith Stanfield's character is almost found out and he's being held at gunpoint by some of the other black Panthers in the car. I felt that that scene was not as tense as I kind of wanted it to be. Does that, does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I actually think it was a pacing problem in that one too, because they sort of flew through it. And I was like, why are you flying through this? But then you had five scenes to build up the relationship. I understand why like Fred Hampton's relationship wound up being so important, but like, they like really took their time to, to get that. But they really just sort of like all of a sudden it's just like, Oh, by the way, Bill O'Neill's now the secretary and it's like, wait, like the, you know, the security secretary. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, there's too fast. That part was too fast. You're doing the wrong, you're doing the wrong things
1: quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. Like I never got that. I never got that feeling from the, from the movie that all of a sudden uh, uh, Fred trusted Bill in this like really deep, intense way, which is obviously super important. Um, I think, Look, Keith Stanfield's performance, by the way, as Bill O'Neill was phenomenal. Ugh. Like his watching his growth and arc, like when he all of a sudden starts realizing maybe there's multiple sides to this, but he's also now leaning in further to being like the the uh the undercover guy and yelling and ranting to sell his story yeah. more. And you're like, that was possibly my favorite um, I don't know, dramatic tension of the way the story went.
0: So my favorite scene in this movie, and it is not close, is when the the camera, where they're following him, backing out, when he reverses out, when he gets in the fight in the Black Panther headquarters, and you just see him smile when he turns his head and reverses out of that parking lot because he was performing. Dude, I thought Lakeith Stanfield, he said everything in that scene and didn't have a, a word once he got in the car. He didn't say a single word, but he yeah. played that so well. He played that yeah. so well.
1: And, and like, and that's the the counter to what we were saying earlier. That scene was also directed really well, well paced. Like, and then he gets yep. in the car, and it's quiet, and you see a range of emotions come over his face. Like, it it was it was really well done. So, ready for the next question, JT? I am. All right. I I've sort of concocted some some game game stuff here. Okay. And I know that this is a serious movie, but listen, we're this is our shtick. We have fun doing this, and we're gonna do this because. It's a movie. We can talk about it. All right. So we're going to play the same game twice in two totally different ways. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So this is the first round. This is the, uh, how many clues does JT need to pick up on the theme? Oh, all right. But then you're going to have to do a little ranking thing with that theme. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. So I'm going to name for you six movies. Okay. Include, well, I guess five movies in addition to Judas. You have to tell me the the theme we have going on.
0: Oh, I love this. Okay, go ahead. All right. Reservoir Dogs. Okay. All right. Donnie Brasco. Uh, okay, so Reservoir Dogs, Donnie Brasco. FBI? No, wait. There's no FBI in
1: Reservoir Dogs. Right? Sorry, Dixie. Okay. I'm making up a rule on the fly. You get one guess per clue. So that was oh yeah, I know we're getting serious here. Okay, uh, the Departed. Okay, informants. Yes, got it. People going, okay. people going undercover. So your next three were, or your next two were, taking it to the to the brink of of chaos was uh, Point Break. Yeah, <laughs> and then because again, in our attempt to always make weird comparisons of movies, so the only podcast where you will likely hear. Uh, comparison between Judas and the Black Messiah and Miss Congeniality.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's safe to say we will be the only podcast that draws that correlation.
1: All right, good job. You got that in three titles, breaking all records of previous attempts. <laughs> now, sir, I want you to rank those six movies. So Judas, Departed, Brasco, Reservoir Dogs, Point Break, and Miscongeniality on how nervous were you for the informant being caught?
0: Oh, okay. That's a fun way to do this. How nervous was I? All right. So number one is definitely going to be the departed. I thought Scorsese did an amazing job building tension throughout that whole movie. I was nervous for everybody in that movie at all times. Everybody. <laughs> uh, so, Departed is definitely number one. I think I would probably go with Reservoir Dogs, maybe number two. Then I'm gonna go Brasco. What? I, so I've got Miscongeniality left. I've got uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. What's the other one I'm missing?
1: Point Break, of course.
0: Oh, Point Break. Okay. Oh yeah. So then it's gonna go Point Break. Miscongeniality and then Judas and the Black Messiah is last for me. Because he knew... The, yeah, so I, <laughs> I, di- I knew a fair amount about this story, the story itself walking into it, so I knew he was fine.
1: <laughs> fair. And and I will say, I think they did a good job not making it too tense for the audience, because you sort of know he's probably... Of that said, actually, I wasn't sure if he gets caught in the end. Like, I knew he was the guy to give him up, but I didn't actually... I deliberately didn't want to go read... What then happened? Um,
0: yeah, that's so. fair. That's fair. So did you? So I'm going to assume then that you, like you never saw eyes on I Eye, Eye on the prize then, right? The documentary. I have not. I have not. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah. So that's that was a big benefit of me going into this is I had seen that before. So I walked in knowing like a fair amount about this story in general, and I was curious to see how they put it together. So yeah. Otherwise, I mean, it's not that they didn't build tension on that list. Obviously, I was. I was almost more worried for him than Miss Congeniality. And I knew he was okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Well, I think, uh, I think I agree with your list, by the way, I I might switch up Brasco and Reservoir Dogs, but definitely The Departed. You, the Departed, if you're not sitting on the edge of your seat, the entire movie waiting for some terrible thing to happen. Like you're just, yeah, you know, get off your phones and watch the darn movie already. Like it's good. For real. And then
0: also all the terrible things happen. <laughs> so you right. were right to be nervous the whole time.
1: <laughs> okay. Now back to the sort of movie, movie dumb, a little less congeniality, a little more Judas. Uh, we, I thought that as much, like I could probably talk about, um, and I'm not on first name basis with them, but Daniel and Lakeith's performances, I think I could talk about them for a long time, but I also think that's what like professional movie reviewers are doing and they did a phenomenal job. So I want to talk about the next four. So we've got Jesse Plemons, Dominique Fishback, who played uh, his girlfriend and wife, um, Martin Sheen, and yep. Ashton Sanders, who played Jimmy Palmer. Yep. I think that the supporting performances were top-notch. I'd love your take. What do you think of these four in these roles?
0: So you picked uh, you picked four of the great ones. They were all great. Uh, I was really, really, really enthralled with Dominique uh, Fishback. I thought she was so good.
1: I agree. I was watching, like, she is the star of this. I mean, not the star, obviously, but her performance was so good. I'm like, who is this person? I've never seen her. I went going. I went off Googling her and stuff. She was great.
0: Yeah, literally from the first scene that she walked into, I was like, oh, wow, she's got, like, presence, presence. Like, she came on camera, and I was like, oh, you're going to be good, I think. And then within, like, a couple seconds, I was like, oh, man, I'm, like, hanging on every movement she makes. I was so so impressed with her. I was like, oh boy, I hope you're like really famous soon. Cause she was (laughs) astoundingly good in this. Uh, Jesse Plemons, I thought was actually also very good. Uh, They did an interesting thing with him. Like I like how, I like how they built him up and flipped him into a bad guy, into a good guy, into a bad guy. And I thought he actually was so consistent that the scene told the story, not his action. He never really changed. And that was actually, I thought a pretty cool acting choice of his to not like, change his demeanor, his posture, all that stuff remained consistent no matter the news he was delivering, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I didn't know Ashton Sanders at all until walking into this. So uh, he it's a small but very important role. He doesn't get a ton of screen time. right? Uh, however, his payoff, without giving a full spoiler away, because even if you do know the backstory, it doesn't tell you this part uh, entirely anyway. Uh, his big payoff scene, I thought he was really powerful in. Like really, really powerful. Bought him fully, and then Sheen was Sheen. You know, I mean Hoover's a terrible human, and I wanted to punch Sheen every time he was on screen. So that worked out well. I was like, oh yeah, this guy's a, a horrible, horrible dude.
1: His prosthetics bothered me so much. <laughs> I don't know why. I I felt the same. I his performance had a weird effect on me. Like I kind of wanted him not in the role. Like. Martin Sheen's played some phenomenal range of characters of his career, obviously. But I think he his you know, he will be most remembered as Jed Bartlett, right? And so watching him in that crumply nose, it to me it was like, that's not my that's not that no, no, not my guy. Not not my guy at all. No, nope. Put in somebody else.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the, the, my my only so the thing is is like he like his cadence and his speech pattern and all that stuff from the stuff that I remember hearing of Hoover like you know which is like not much because I'm not a historian but like I'm sure because he's Sheen he probably went really deep and did an amazing job of recreating Hoover it's, I'm sure it was great but I think you're right he's just too big a deal like I was just like you're Martin Sheen playing somebody I can't get past the fact that you're Martin Sheen I want you to be. Anybody but this character. I want you to be Bartlett. I want you to be the guy from Grace and Frankie. I want you to be just something else. Don't do this. I don't like it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Although I do, I do love that he would take such a small role in the movie. I love when actors do that because it's just fun to see them. It was like actually, I just watched uh, Perry Mason. We, we talked about it briefly. Uh, John Lithgow's in that for a few episodes. I was like, oh, John Lithgow's in this too. Like, I have no idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It speaks volume. It speaks volumes to them being cool people.
1: So JT. I almost didn't have this question in, and I just sort of decided it—it it just has to be here too. So, <laughs> here you go, and I know that you don't have a lot to work with because our list of uh, fave—I don't know—I don't even know why these people are our people, but they're just sort of our people. We're going to have to add more to this list, clearly. But pick one of the following and place them in the movie. Yep, Billy Zane, Baby Quaid. Discount Johnny Depp, Solo Nicole, or Fully Max Cage? So, uh,
0: obviously Kidman's out. Uh, I don't think there's anywhere to put Baby Quaid. I really want, so here's what I want to do. I want to put Max Cage in the role of the local FBI precinct director. He's only in okay. it for like three or four scenes, uh, and he. But, but I feel the problem is Max Cage is too much Cage for that. For, for that,
1: like that's, that's too cage. much
0: Cage. It's just way too much Cage. So I think instead it's got to be Billy Zane in that same role. I think Billy Zane has to be because I don't like him as Jesse Plemons. He's too. First of all, he's too old. Second of all, I I don't think he looks unassuming enough. The reason I think Plemons worked in this role is because you look at him and go, trustworthy. I love Billy Zane Zane, and he's the best. I don't look at him and go, you can trust this guy. Look at him and go, this dude's going to do something bad to me. Like he looks like sharp and cunning. I don't like it. So him being the director that reported, that Plemons' character reported to, I think makes the most sense.
1: I think that's fair. I, I, I would have snuck in Baby Quaid as one of the street cops uh There was a few good moments for that because obviously none of them really fit this movie at all. But
0: now that you say that, though, you know what you could do is I could see Discount Johnny Depp being the cop in the Jimmy scene in Jimmy Palmer's payoff scene. It's small, it's small, but I could I could see him doing that. Right, he kind of fits that mold physically, and like he could do the scared thing. But the yeah, I could I, I I'll go with that.
1: Well, I'm glad we managed to find find some homes for our favorite some of our favorite folks. <laughs> Okay, last question. This is the again. You're going to have to figure out the theme here. I'm going to tell you it is okay. tricky. This is this might be the most challenged movie weird trivia obscure list thing I've ever put together for a friend. Oh boy! So, same thing. You got uh, Judas plus four for our for our list making here. Okay. Your options. I'm going to say it specifically: uh, "Jews and the Black Messiah," Daniel Kaluuya. Okay. "The Karate Kid," Ralph Macchio. Okay. "Harry Potter," Shirley Henderson.
0: Hmm. Who was Shirley? Is Shirley Henderson the horrible teacher?
1: She was Moaning Myrtle.
0: Moaning Myrtle. All right, so I've got Miss. So I've got Ralph Macchio, Moaning Myrtle. Fred Hampton, chairman. Keep
1: going. Okay. Dirty Dancing, Jennifer Grey. Oh, boy. This is so wild. Any,
0: anything? I I can't even begin. Like, literally, I'm trying to think, like, of did they do accents? None of them had to do accents other than Hampton. Uh, I've got nothing, man. What's the last one? The last
1: one is Karate Kid 3, Ralph Macchio.
0: Okay, Ralph Macchio made the list twice, (laughs) which is the first time Ralph Macchio has made a list twice, probably ever. Uh, (laughs) um, All right, what is Ralph Macchio? So is it the actor? Can you give me any hints? Is it the actor or the characters that that are similar? It's got to be the characters, right?
1: It's a little of both.
0: Okay. So what is Jennifer Grey doing on this list? And Daniel Collier. Um, it's not like, it's not breakout roles because all those guys, well, it is for Machio, but Collier done stuff before. Uh, okay. Moting Myrtle is throwing me off so bad. Cause I don't really know what she did other than, is it like a really
1: good screaming
0: scene? I don't know. <laughs> no,
1: no, it's not good screaming. That's a very fun guess. It's not good screaming. I, I I guess my my real clue, if I have to go there, is it's much more about the actor or actress than the character. But there is a tie-in. There is a tie-in, but it's it's Hinky. All
0: right, I like Hinky though. Machio, like, do they have more vowels in their
1: name? <laughs> the <laughs> no nope. consonants. Although I guess no, no, it's not the uh, it's not the linguistic. No.
0: Jennifer Gray. Jennifer Gray breaks that. Uh, I dude, I have no idea. This is fun. I have no idea.
1: How old was Judas? I'm sorry. How old was Fred? Uh, Fred in this movie?
0: Oh, he was 21.
1: How old's Daniel Kaluuya?
0: Oh, so it's people playing. Oh, he's probably in his like late 20s, early 30s. So this is people playing way down in age.
1: Correct. So what you now have to guess of those five movies. Which one had the greatest spread of performer and character?
0: Okay, so my immediate instinct is to go Machio, Karate Kid 3, because I don't remember what the plot of Karate Kid 3 is. I just know it was later, and he was already playing down in the first one. So the third so one, the I feel, first like one, has to
1: be worse. That, that's definitely, you're definitely right on that. So in the first one, he was a 23-year-old playing a 15, 16-year-old. In the third one, he is a 30-year-old playing a 16, 17-year-old. Okay. That's got to be the biggest spread, right? Shirley Henderson, at the time of filming Harry Potter, was 37 playing a roughly 15-year-old. What? Yeah. And if you go back and watch it, people say, like, oh, she sort of looks like she's in her 20s. She was 37 playing that role. And then your final one, by the way, is Jennifer Grey... Uh, baby was roughly 17 and Jennifer Gray was 27.
0: Uh, yeah, see that one. I, I, I knew that one was going to be closer. I can't believe Moaning Myrtle was 37. I would have given her like early twenties. Maybe she looked like a, she looked like an old person who looked young. She didn't look like a young person.
1: Yeah. She looked uh, to me like 37
0: that, is, is wild.
1: <laughs> she looked to me like the one in 90210. I don't, uh, I never remember her, the actress nor the character's name. Cause I didn't watch it, but there was that one that everybody who's listening, who watched the show, be like, oh yeah. Maybe Andrea or something like that.
0: Is that, is is that Doherty's character? I never watched that. I've never actually watched that show. Shannon Doherty is the actor.
1: No, the other one. It's the other one. I have no idea. All right. Well, let's,
0: let's wrap this up with what I always do, which is I have one question for you. So on a scale of, and let's see if you can, let's see if you can pick out why, uh, let's see if you can pick out why I'm using the two movies I'm, I'm picking. On a scale of Flyboys to Raging Bull, how would you rate Judas and the Black Messiah?
1: Ooh, Raging Bull. My goodness, that is quite the scale. Do you get the tie-in? Well, I don't know the first movie.
0: Uh, Oh, Flyboys. It's okay. So Flyboys is a really bad, bad movie with James Franco about some pilots, but the tie-in is it's all, it's based on a true story. So I'm just trying to give you in the world, in the world of based on a true story, where do you put Judas and the Black Messiah?
1: No, I figured that's where you're going with it. And I was, uh, I was trying to think of what's a true story. I would say this is probably in a last King of Scotland kind of realm for me
0: dig it. First of all, great movie. Second of all, uh, yeah. Okay. That's a great, that's a great pick.
1: Thanks bud. All
0: right. Uh, so we just watched Judas and the Black Messiah. I think both of us would say you should watch it. Right, Jer? I mean, this is a, this is a, this is a watch.
1: This is Again, if the worst this we could describe this movie is it's got some pacing and some tension issues and such an important story, you should watch it. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh, highly, highly recommend this. Cannot cannot speak highly enough specifically about how incredible both these performances were and i just i love lakeith stanfield so much i want him to be such a huge actor uh so yeah important movie well done movie go watch it thanks for joining the lo-fi top five
1: now the time has come for leaving fear now we shall return we were so glad we could make it but so sad we gotta run well it might be a long time till we raise another Sure that next time We'll have ourselves a laugh Yeah, we'll have ourselves a laugh